Welcome to Recalibrate, a mindset podcast designed to help you break free from the old and press on to the new. If you're new to this podcast, I want to welcome you. And let me tell you that your time honors me greatly. And if you are returning, if you are a subscriber, well, welcome back. You completely bless my heart. Thank you so much for your following and for your trust. I am always blessed to read each and every one of your reviews. Of course, I'm also blessed by your five-star ratings. I want to read one of the uh, reviews that uh, one of the subscribers left. Villalobos4 said, This is by far one of the best podcasts I have ever listened to. It is a must for everyone because everyone can benefit from this message and it will change your life if you follow it. God bless. Thank you so much, Villalobos4, for that amazing review. It blessed my heart. These past few months have been different and interesting, to say the least. COVID-19 has definitely changed the world in so many ways. Have you noticed lately how Everyone's perspective on life and the way we do things these days has completely changed. We have taken a complete 180 in most of the things that we do. And it all happened in a blink of an eye. COVID-19, this pandemic, not only brought disease, but also brought pandemonium. Not only did it bring pandemonium, but it also brought opportunity for many. Some people were able to perceive it as a curse, while others, others looked for the silver lining. They looked for the opportunity. You see, in a blink of an eye, the world came to a sudden stop. Fear crept into the minds of many, and isolation has become a human necessity. Ugly has been exposed as selfish people assault supermarkets like vultures on a carcass. In a blink of an eye, we have realized that we're not as strong as we once believed we were, and that death Death is not a respecter of man. It doesn't discriminate. It's not selective. It lurks at every corner, seeking whose life it will take. In a blink of an eye, the world became silent and the busyness of life slowed down in such a way that we were able to think, reflect, refocus, and, yes, recalibrate. In a blink of an eye, disjointed families have been forced to spend time together, listen to one another, and to stare into each other's eyes. Parents have disconnected from the World Wide Web just enough to share childhood stories, and relive beautiful memories with their children. In a blink of an eye, believers have finally, (laughs) finally caught on to the idea that we are the church and that a building is just a building and nothing else. That true worship can be led by a child playing a ukulele in a living room without the need of a stage, smoke, screens, and lights. (laughs) That complete strangers in a building can bust open their windows and harmoniously lift up such a powerful praise that the heavens descend amongst them. In a blink of an eye, we've been forced into social distancing and isolation. Perhaps now, we will learn the value of the human interaction, the value of a smile and the power of a hug. It's about time that we tear down the walls that have distanced us from others and divided families loved ones and friends. It's time to slow down, smell the roses, and reconnect with one another by building bridges, extending mercy, and giving grace. In a blink of an eye, we realize that life is frail, 
short and so uncertain. Perhaps now we will shift our perspective and count every second of life as a miracle and an opportunity to show empathy, compassion, and to utter the three most powerful words. Listen, the three most powerful words ever spoken by mankind. I love you. I love you not in exchange for anything at all or with the expectation of reciprocation. No, no. I love you simply because I do. In a blink of an eye, scripture emerged from many voices from all over the world reminding us that God is greater than our circumstances and that fear has no power over us and that this too shall pass. In a blink of an eye, we have come to understand that God is all we need because God is all we have. (laughs) And you know, all of this happened in a blink of an eye. And so I want to challenge you. As we know, this too shall pass. As we understand, this is temporary. It's part of a process that each and every one of us is going through on a very individual basis. It's affecting people at different levels. People are processing this mentally in different ways. And it is going to produce a different outcome in each one of us. But I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. Don't go back to doing things the way you were doing them. Don't go back to yesterday. Don't go back to what you perceive as normal or comfortable. Create a new normal for yourself. Look, you you need to go through a detox I'm not talking about a detox of your digestive system. In other words, I'm not, I'm not asking you to get on probiotics, prebiotics, and herbal cleanses, although all that is good for you. I am talking about a mental detox. You have got to reboot your mind so that you don't repeat yesterday's patterns and produce the exact same outcome. You see, taking old habits into a new chapter will only produce the same results. However, if you change your beliefs, you will produce a different outcome. It's that simple. If you heard me speak before, you've probably, uh, you've probably heard me say this. If you always do what you've always done and you always think what you've always thought, you will always get what you've always gotten. It's that simple. Einstein said, people do the same thing over and over expecting to produce a different outcome. Now that's insanity. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, uh, everyone has dreams of changing the world, but they're unwilling to change themselves. Change starts within us. Change is personal, it's possible, and it is profitable. If you change the way that you do things or that you've always done things, if you change it Just by one degree, at the end of many years, you will arrive at a different, a totally different destination, but you will never alter your trajectory if you keep doing the same things over and over again. Simply by picking up a book and reading it, a book on on personal growth, 
uh, even a self-help book. I mean, that is going to help you grow in a totally different direction. But I mean, know that in the United States, the average American will read uh, 1.5 books per year. And uh, that's the average. So most people don't read. Most people are more entertained by TikTok (laughs) or YouTube videos, uh, Facebook. Stop for a moment. If you're really seeking to change your life, if you truly want to produce something different, you're going to have to change the way you do things, the way you think. Because, I mean, even your environment, you're going to have to change, you're going to have to change the people that you, you spend the most time with, especially if they're not challenging you, if they're not, if they're not profitable to you, if they've got little minds, remember that spending time with giants will allow you to stand on their shoulders and broaden your vision. But if you don't stand on the shoulders of giants, then you're never going to grow. Jim Rohn said that we become the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. I say it differently. (laughs) You can't dance with the devil and expect to walk with Christ. Now that's insanity. You've got to change your environment, my friend. You've got, to, you've got to change what you read if you're not reading anything that's profitable to your personal growth and development. I mean, it's okay to read uh, fictional stories and novels and those kinds of series, but in all reality, are they helping you grow in any way? Probably not. Change your environment. Your environment is composed of what you listen to, what you read, what you watch, and very importantly, the people that you spend time with. You can't avoid spending time with your own core family, of course, but the people outside of your family, that is what you have to be the most cautious about because they will shape your worldview. And therefore, education is so important where you, whose who's, uh, mentorship you subject your children to, who are you going to allow to influence the mind of your children? Who are you allowing to influence your mind? Gandhi said, I would never allow anyone with dirty feet to walk through my mind. You shouldn't either. I mean, it's that plain and simple. What? Are we, are we to be selective? You're probably asking. Yes, you've got to be selective if you are on the path to growth and success. You cannot do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome. I oftentimes compare people's lives to an onion. Just like onions have layers, so do we. Our layers are represented by past experiences, paradigms, thought patterns, mental processes, mindsets, Pains, wounds, hurts, hang-ups, and spiritual strongholds. And you know what? I'm going to stop there for just a minute. In this episode, I'm going to address the newness that we should pursue from a spiritual and a psychological perspective. Now, oftentimes when I mention the word strongholds, a lot of people have different ideas of what strongholds are. A stronghold is a faulty thinking pattern based on lies and deception. Deception is one of the primary weapons of the devil, the enemy, the enemy of our soul. Strongholds usually start out as a wound that we experience, 
a hurt, or a disappointment that makes our heart fertile grounds for seeds of lies to be planted. And on this foundation, the enemy then begins to build brick by brick, a wall of lies, inaccurate ideas about the person of God, about who we are in him and who he is in us, wrongful interpretations of scripture, prideful thoughts and distorted perceptions of how God sees us and feels about us when we sin. Deception impairs our faith. Let me illustrate this concept. There is a deer-like animal in Africa called the African impala. The African impala has this amazing ability to jump nine feet high and 25 feet across. It is fast, hard to capture. However, when captured, the captures put the African impala behind a wall. The wall doesn't need to be nine, 10 feet high to contain it. The wall can actually be about four and a half feet high since the African impala is only about three and a half feet tall. As long as the wall is slightly taller or higher than the African impala, it will contain it. And you're probably asking yourself, but, but how? You just said that it has the ability to jump nine feet high. Exactly. However, as long as the wall is solid and the African impala is unable, listen, unable to see what's on the other side, it will not jump. It won't. Simply because it cannot see what's on the other side. Now, how does that apply to our lives? Well, that's how deception works. Our faith is impaired by deception. When we can't see what's on the other side, our faith falters. Our faith becomes shaky. Now, if your faith is strong enough, you, like Les Brown has said, you jump off the cliff and you grow your wings on your way down. You just jump. But deception has a way of controlling us. Deception is the enemy's greatest weapon. Actually, there are three weapons that the enemy uses against us. Deception, as I mentioned, temptation, and accusations. So let me, let me redefine stronghold. Stronghold is a thought process, a way of thinking. They're patterns, paradigms, mental constructs, and visualizations that we have formed over time and that cause us to believe something about us, others, or God that is not true. Strongholds imprison you in your own mind. They, they enslave you. You may be physically free, but mentally bound. And, and so people ask all the time, okay, I understand now. I understand what a stronghold is, but how do, how do I deal with it? How do I break the chains? How do I break free from a stronghold? And I use the four R's. The four R's are reveal. That's number one. Number two is repent. Number three is renew. And number four is resist. In other words, number one being reveal, you've heard me say this before, go before God and say, search my heart, O God, and put my thoughts to the test and show me if there's any iniquity within me. Sometimes those strongholds we have brought upon ourselves because we have opened doors to the enemy and we have allowed him in as a guest. And so we need revelation. And so we ask, search my heart, O God, and put my thoughts to the test. Show me 
if there's any iniquity within me. And that's why it's so important to have a time of reflection during your day. Oftentimes, the best time for me is to have a time of reflection at the end of the day. Once everything is calm, once we are home and it's fine, that quiet space, that quiet time to just go before God and, and not, not go and pray and, and, and yap. No, it's, it's to sit there. And, you know, the scripture says, be still and know that I am God. And you go before him with one, one request. Search my heart, O God, and put my thoughts to the test. Show me, reveal to me if there's any iniquity within me. So number one is reveal. Number two is repent, just like the prodigal son. I mean, come on, the prodigal son had taken the father's uh, inheritance. He had taken his inheritance while the father was still alive. I mean, basically he was telling his dad, you're better, you're worth more to me dead than you are alive. Give me my money and let me go. And you know the story. Some of you, some of you have heard the story many times. He went and spent that money on prostitutes and, and gambling and, and, you know, bad habits. Went and spent all of his money on drinking. And once he found himself, you know, caring for some other man's pigs with having no money and, and being hungry, I mean, that's when he received that revelation that he was, he was up to his head in mud. And that's when he, what did he do? He repented. Number two, he received revelation. He saw his condition. Number two, he repented from his sin. He turned up to the heavens and he said, Father, forgive me for I've sinned against you and against my earthly dad. Number three is once you have gone through steps one and two, number three is renew. And one of my favorite verses that is found in Romans 12, two says, don't conform to the ways of the world, to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test and approve God's perfect, pleasing and good will for your life. Let me go back again. The word is what? Renew. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation starts within, not without. You can't, you can't alter the outside and expect the inside to change. Change starts on the inside and affects the outside. And number four is resist. So once you've received revelation, you've repented, you've renewed the mind. Now you just have to make sure that you live a life resisting the evil schemes of the enemy. You resist. Resist doesn't mean that you run away from the issue. Resist means that you confront head on. Knowing, just like David when he slayed the giant, knowing that when you go before the enemy, you don't go alone. God goes before you. When you renew what you believe, you will change what you do and how you do things. As you think in your heart, so you will be, Solomon said. He goes on to say, where the mind goes, the man follows. Basically, he, he reiterates the fact that we are what we think, not necessarily what we eat. What you say and do are not random actions that happen haphazardly, casually, and aimlessly. No, they have been preconceived in the mind and incubated over time. So don't say stuff like, I'm not sure why I said that. Yes, you are. Or I didn't mean to do that. And Well, yes, you did. Or the devil made me do it. No, don't give him so much credit. Now, when you say one thing and do Another thing, repeatedly over time, research has proven through functional MRIs that this faulty thinking is referred to as cognitive dissonance. It creates a toxicity in the brain, 
developing into what we know as brain fog, at times increasing stress levels and creating inflammation. This is the physiological side of strongholds. When we suppress or lie to ourselves in order to avoid confronting an issue, it damages our whole being. You were not wired this way. You made yourself to become this way. You see, because our default mode is power, love, and a sound mind, not fear nor stress or reckless behavior. You have the capacity through your connectedness with the Holy Spirit to produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. If you truly want to change the outcome of your life, you're going to have to change your beliefs because your changed beliefs will produce a different behavior and a different behavior will produce different results. Look, you got to get to a point, my friend, in your life in which you start to understand that you are not, listen, you're not a victim of your biology. You're not captive to your genealogy. You're only a result of your psychology. So stop blaming everyone in the whole world for the situation in which you are at today. There's so much that you can do to get unstuck. In other words, you can't control circumstances or life events. However, however, you can control your reaction to such circumstances and events. And that, my friends, will determine the course of your life for good or for evil, because everything starts with a thought. Now, a lot of people will justify their bad decisions or their lack of enthusiasm, success, and zest for life by saying things like, well, I just have bad genes. I didn't get the good genes in the family. And and that's not true. There's no such thing. Or they'll say things like, well, I was just born this way. I've, I've met up with a lot of people who are heavyset, and, and I say this respectfully. You know, they'll say stuff like, well, I'm just big boned. You know, I just, I just can't lose the weight. Everyone in my family is big boned. And I, and, and I have them realize that there's no such thing as big bone structures. You know, if you look at a skeleton, you will never find a big boned skeleton. Let's be honest. You know, the Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Or some people will say, what well, just runs in my family, you know? You know, the, the whole, I, I, I don't think I'll ever graduate from college because no one in my family ever did. So that's my lot in life. That, my friends, is an excuse. It's a, it's a lame excuse, by the way. <laughs> and it's also a mental stronghold. Neuroscientific research is confirming on a daily basis that what we are thinking every moment of every day becomes a physical reality in our brain and our bodies, which affects our optimum mental and physical health. You see, these thoughts collectively form your attitude, and it's your attitude and not your DNA. Listen, it's your attitude and not your DNA that determines much of the quality of your life. In the Old Testament, God said, I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Every day, we have mental options to choose from. They're either healthy or they're toxic. They're either blessings or they're curses. They're either life or they're death. It's our own decision whether we listen to God's words and and, and focus on his promises 
Or we succumb to the enemy's lies by paying close attention to his deceiving messages. The thoughts you are thinking right now, my friend, impact every cell in your body. What you think about the most will grow like a tree. So stop focusing so much on COVID-19. Turn off the TV. Come on, turn off, turn off the news on the internet. Stop focusing so much on how many people are dying and how many people are, 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 are infected and what's happening in the world today. You know, take a moment to stop focusing on the riots and, and, and all of the tragedies around the world. Just stop for a moment because those thoughts are definitely having an impact on your mind and, and those thoughts are having an impact on your body. Look, I want you to understand this point. Spend your time fantasizing about all of the negatives that are happening in the world and and you become so much more susceptible to succumbing to a virus, COVID-19 or anything else. Now, I'm not saying that your thoughts are going to cause you to contract it, but what I'm saying is that your thought process will increase your probabilities. Why? Because you are living in fear and fear will impact your body by lowering your immune system, making you so much more susceptible, so much weaker, succumbing to COVID-19 or to any other issue. Remember, when we fear, we elevate our, our levels of the stress hormone cortisol. And when cortisol increases and is maintained at high levels, for an extended period of time. I'm talking about a daily basis, you know, living in fear every single day and our cortisol is increased daily. Then we we elevate the probability of succumbing to some kind of disease, whether it's, you know, fibromyalgia, uh, migraines, colon cancer, stomach cancer, diabetes. I mean, the list, the list goes on. So make sure that you Put a handle on your thoughts and you recalibrate and you renew your mindset. And in order to do that, you first need to understand that you can renew the mind, that it is, that it is possible. God's word states it, science proves it. And so we know for a fact that the mind can be renewed. If you're an educator or in the medical field, you've probably heard of neuroplasticity. You see, neuroplasticity states that the brain has this capacity to become malleable and adaptable, changing moment by moment every day. Science has now concluded that the brain is not hardwired. It's not a hardwired machine, unable to adapt. But on the contrary, after years of research, they have concluded that the brain has the capacity to renew itself. Now, listen. The spirit, your spirit, is regenerated in Christ. In other words, when you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, your spirit was regenerated. However, the mind needs to be renewed by your own choice, by your own decision. That's not something that happens automatically. It's not something that happens on its own. It's something that has to happen by your own choice and decision. I'm currently completing a doctorate in trauma. And one of the things that I've learned about trauma over the years is that trauma is involuntary. Most of the trauma that people suffer happens in their childhood years and carries on into their adulthood. The individual didn't bring that trauma upon themselves. It just happened. I have worked with middle-aged people and the elderly who still suffer from childhood traumas, but yet never knew 
what it was that was afflicting them until they received the revelation and they were able to either repent or let go by forgiving, forgiving themselves for starters and then forgiving the perpetrator. That is how the stronghold is broken. Otherwise, that stronghold has the potential to dominate the rest of their lives, conducting them or driving them to a certain destination in their life. So trauma is involuntary, but forgiveness is 100% up to us. So you get to a point where you stop blaming your history for your current destiny. You have to take responsibility for your actions, especially when you receive revelation and you know what it is that is hurting you consistently over time. You need to simply say, I forgive him or her or that situation. Now, that doesn't mean that you justify or excuse that individual's behavior. You simply say, I will no longer allow that situation or that individual to control my life and to have power over me. When you do that, that's when you break free from bondage and you're able to live in freedom. An interesting fact is that research has proven that about 75 to 98% of mental, physical, and emotional illnesses today are a byproduct of our thought life. And stress is at an all-time high, and it's slowly becoming an epidemic affecting children as young as three years of age. I mean, we hear about Adderall and Concerta, Ditrana, Ritalin, Stratera, Clonidine. I mean, we hear about all these medications that these children are on or or young adults. Now, please understand that I say this respectfully. I know that some people have a true need to be on medication because they have a chemical imbalance at at the cerebral level. However, about 75% of all people placed on medication, all they need is to let go of their past, is to deal with their traumas. There's no need for medication. Medication will only numb the situation but we don't need to be numbed. We need to confront the situation so that we can break free from the enemy's stronghold. Now, keep in mind what I said a while ago. Fear is not hardwired in us. Like we weren't born to fear. We were, we were hardwired for power, love, and a sound mind. Fear is a learned behavior that you have wired in through toxic thoughts. And just like you wired it in, you can wire it out. Now, how do you do that? The same way you wired fear in, through repetition. You repeatedly thought about that one thing. If you're thinking repeatedly about COVID-19 and, and going out and contracting the virus, even though you are wearing a mask and a face shield and gloves and you're in, in bubble wrap, come on. But you're still afraid. Why? Because you're constantly repeating that one thought in your mind. So fear has not been hardwired in you. It's a learned behavior. You don't have to live life fearing that one thing, whether it's COVID-19 or whatever it may be. A lot of people that I I speak to that are in their 60s, they're afraid of Alzheimer's. They think that because they're older, uh, they're going to contract Alzheimer's. They're going to develop it. And and they've gotten to the point where they don't call it Alzheimer's, they call it Alzheimer's. And so when they think about it, they think, well, old-timers are going to get Alzheimer's Uh, because that's just part of their natural process of development and uh, that comes prior to death. And that doesn't have to be your lot in life, my friend. 
that does not have to be your destination. You see, it's been proven through science that only a small percentage of people who develop Alzheimer's develop it because it ran in their genes. It was uh, genetically inherited. And I'm talking, when I'm talking about a small percentage, I'm talking uh, about less than 10%. Now, you may ask yourself, well, but what about all the other people who have developed Alzheimer's? Well, science has also proven that the more you think about and fear you know, getting Alzheimer's or developing it, the more you think about it repeatedly over time, it increases your probability by 64%. Yes, listen, there are more people with Alzheimer's today that brought it upon themselves simply by repeating that one fear in their mind over and over and over again. Interesting enough, there's a story in the Bible. You probably read the book of Job, all 40 plus chapters. It's a very lengthy book, but it's very interesting. Now, I'm not going to dive into the whole story, but if you probably know the story, Job lost everything. He was the richest man in the in the region, and he had a beautiful family. And like I said, I won't get into the whole story, but he lost everything, everything. And, and there's a point in the in the book where Job says, what I feared the most has happened to me. What I dreaded has come upon me. What that tells us is that Job was constantly thinking about the fact that he could lose his family, that he could lose his wealth, that he could possibly even lose his life. So he says, what I feared the most has happened to me. What I dreaded the most has come upon me. So we increase our probability of that one thing happening the more we think about it. You know, I've said this before, whatever you fantasize will materialize in due season. So be careful of what you're thinking about. So I want to end this episode because believe me, <laughs> those of you who know me, I can go on for hours, for hours, but I won't do that to you today. I want to give you just a few really good nuggets that you can take with you. So the question is, so how do I detox my mind? Well, let me give you four simple steps. Four simple steps for detoxing your mind. Number one is identify. Very important. You need to bring your thoughts into conscious awareness. Uh, Carl Jung, a psychoanalyst, said, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it your destiny. And so what he was saying was, there are so many so many thoughts at a subconscious level that we are completely unaware of, that we have to bring to conscious awareness so that we can deal with them. You've heard me say, what you can't define, you can't defeat. If you're going to confront a giant, you better know every detail about the giant. How tall is he? How big? What are his strengths and weaknesses? Everything. You have to have a conscious awareness of your enemy. Well, just like that, you have to have a conscious awareness of your thought process. So number one is identify. And once again, Psalm 139 verse 23 says, Look through me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any sinful way in me and lead me in the way that lasts forever. Plainly stated, as I mentioned it previously, search my heart, O God, and put my thoughts to the test. Show me if there's any iniquity within me. Why do I want God to show me if there's any iniquity within me? I want God to reveal everything about me. 
I want him to run an x-ray over my mind and my heart and reveal whatever's holding me back, whatever strongholds are on my life. Why? Because I want to break free and live the life that I've been designed to live, purpose to live by God. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to have to confront tribulations and issues in life. I mean, come on. Jesus said, in this life, you will have affliction, but, and here's the big but, but rejoice, I have already overcome the world. So number one is identify. I need to know because what you don't know, you simply don't know. And, and God said, my people perish due to what? Lack of knowledge. So number one is identify. Number two is focus. Focus is deep thought, visualizations, reflection produces physical change in the brain. Remember, we talked about neuroplasticity. We have to think about those things that we want to see happen. I mean, let's be realistic when we do so, right? We can't walk in freedom if we're constantly thinking about bondage. We can't walk in healing if we're constantly thinking about disease. I mean, you can't walk in freedom if you're thinking about COVID-19 all day long. Come on, let's be realistic. Philippians 4.8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So when you ask, hey, Milton, so what do I think about? There you go. There's your recipe. There's your blueprint. Think about whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, and lovely and admirable. If anything is excellent or worthy of praise, think about those things. If whatever you're thinking about does not fit within those parameters, stop thinking about those things. Replace your thoughts with thoughts that are worthy of your time. I love the story of Coach uh, John Wooden back in the 70s and the 80s. I mean, he was an awarded coach. He was a fine man, a man of great integrity. And, uh, and I remember reading about his technique on how he would uh, have his basketball players play and how they would practice. He would have them shoot hoops without a ball. He would have them dribble around the court without a ball. And he did this for weeks on end. And so you might ask yourself, well, that's kind of ridiculous. Why would he have the players do that? And, and that's probably the same question they ask themselves. And Coach Wooden said something that was powerful. He says, I, I want you to dribble this you know, fictitious ball, this, this make-believe ball, and shoot hoops with an invisible ball. He says, because if you're able to visualize yourself dribbling, if you're able to visualize yourself shooting the hoop and, and scoring, then you will be able to do it in, on the court. In other words, he said, if you can do it in your mind first, you'll be able to do it on the court second. So I want you to focus, okay? Focus and visualize where you would like to see yourself, how you would like to see yourself. And number three, number three is write. Write things down. This is important. This action will actually consolidate the new thoughts connecting both hemispheres of the brain and activating the, the basal ganglia, the cerebellum, and the motor cortex. Writing it will bring more clarity and will allow your thoughts to go from short-term to long-term. God told the prophet Habakkuk, he said, write down clearly on tablets what I reveal to you 
so that it can be read at a glance. I mean, God was telling Habakkuk because Habakkuk was saying, you know, God, when, when are you going to do what you said you were going to do? And, and God reminded him, he said, although the promise may linger, although it may tarry, although it may take some time, expect it because surely it will become to pass. But he said, make sure that you write things down on tablets, whatever I reveal to you so that it can be read at a glance. So I encourage you, whatever God is revealing to you, whatever promise he's revealing to you, whatever he tells you that he's going to be doing in his in your life, I, I encourage you to write it down. Don't just Don't just think about it, but actually write it down on a piece of paper, post it in your closet somewhere where you can read it every day to where you are reminded so that your mind stays fixed, focused, and glued on that one thought instead of thinking about COVID-19 and about the pandemic and the pandemonium caused by all the riots going on in our world today. Focus on what God has told you, but put it up on paper on a wall where you can read it on a daily basis. And number four is rehearse and revisit because good intentions alone aren't enough. Intentions coupled with discipline and consistency. Now that is a powerful mix. James said this, he said, don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a a listener when you're anything but. Letting the word go in one ear and out the other, (laughs) that doesn't work. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. Listen, my friend, this whole process of renewing your mind, of identifying, focusing, writing, and rehearsing, and revisiting, this is completely and 100% intentional. You're going to have to get to the point where you're sick and tired of being sick and tired to rise up and to position yourself for a shift in your life. Like I said, it's going to have to be intentional, disciplined, and consistency. The reality is that change is possible, change is profitable, and change is personal. You can do this. I encourage you, take a step in the right direction today. Don't just listen to this podcast and get excited. If you didn't take any notes, go to the show notes. Make sure that you make a copy, you write it down, put it up on a wall, remind yourself every day. Otherwise, this is all just going to be an intention. Without discipline and consistency, it's just an intention. And just an intention is not going to bring forth any transformation. So be intentional, disciplined, and consistent. You can do it. I believe in you. And so does God. Love you guys in Christ. Take care. God bless.